What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Colin. My name is Colin Egglesfield. Here's my coffee. Actually, this is a new thing. It's called Mushroom Coffee. This is uh, from a company called Mudwater, and uh, it's a cof coffee alternative. I would highly recommend you checking it out. You can Google it. Mudwater, it's like healthy coffee. It's great stuff and uh, supposedly really good for your, your digestive system. But that's not why we are here tonight. Why we are here tonight is because, as I love to do every week, I love to bring on people who are doing incredible things, who are successful in their field so that they can share with us what they did and the challenges that they've overcome to accomplish their dreams and their goals. And tonight, I have a special guest because tonight, I have someone who I actually work with. This guy is incredibly inspiring because this guy has completely dedicated his life to helping people buy and sell homes. Uh, he's from Chicago, grew up here, homegrown, and uh, I would consider him one of my mentors. He's taught me a lot over the past few years. I am with Century 21 Brokerage. In between my acting and everything else that I do, I also do some real estate. And I got into doing real estate about six years ago. And I took a class on how to rehab homes. It's one of these courses that you can find on Facebook or whatever. And we're going to get into this tonight because there's a lot of uh, pitfalls that novice home rehabbers can get into. And, uh, and this is some of the stuff that we're going to be getting, getting into tonight. But what we are going to be chatting mostly about tonight are some tips and insights on how to buy and sell homes. And my guest tonight is my, my senior partner at Century 21. And uh, I got my broker's license about three years ago to be able to transact my own properties that I was flipping. And through this whole process, I started to meet other people who were asking me if I'd be interested in listing their homes for them or helping them buy houses. And over this whole experience, I've started to uh, learn a ton about the real estate market that I'd love to share with you tonight. And with us tonight, I have someone who is incredibly knowledgeable about the real estate market. He is one of the top producing real estate agents in all of Chicago. And uh, he's incredibly inspiring because not only does he do real estate, he is super active in the community. And in the last chapter of my book, Agile Artists, I write all about community and how we can get more involved in our communities to make a positive difference. And here in Chicago, there's so many opportunities to do that. And Armando is do doing just that. He is the president of the Chamber of Commerce here in Chicago, the West Central Chamber of Commerce. He's also the president of the Chicago Children's Theater. So I'm excited to uh, chat with him a little bit more about that. But he's uh, also super active with just helping so many, so many, so many people buy and sell their homes and finding their dream homes and helping people fulfill on all of their real estate needs. So without further ado, we'd love to bring to the stage Mr. Armando Chacon, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, Armando? I'm doing great, Colin. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's about time. You're so busy. I've been like trying to get you on here and you're like, oh yeah, I'm like busy doing real estate. So finally you're well, on you're here. You're preaching to the choir. You're, you're a busy guy yourself and uh, it's been it's been fun just to get a little insight as to all the things that you have going on. It's, 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 uh, it's fun. It's contagious. And I just love your energy. So I just think this is one of the reasons why I think it's been such a, a great partnership. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, so thank yeah, you. well, I'm glad you're here. And, you know, with everything that uh, I have been doing 
a lot of what I've read about partnerships and uh, creating efficiency and effectiveness in businesses and as an entrepreneur, as real estate agents, essentially we are entrepreneurs. A lot of real estate is you are essentially running your own business. You're having to market, you're having to generate leads, you're having to service clients, do follow-up. There's a lot of uh, entrepreneurship that we bring into doing real estate. And a lot of what I like to read about is how to become a better entrepreneur, how to become a better leader, better manager of teams. And a lot of what I've read about is that the more diverse that you have your team or the people that you work with, the stronger your team can be because each person can bring something different to the table. And uh, I've learned a ton from you over the past couple of years that we've been working together so far. And uh, as someone who comes from Hollywood and I bring sort of the, the uh, you know, social media experience to, you know, to what we do together, um, what I've learned from you is the, essentially the transacting side of real estate. So I've got a bunch of people on here and for my audience out there, would love for you guys to type in any questions that you may have for me and Armando with regards to buying and selling your home, investing in real estate. Uh, it's a super competitive market out there right now. So a lot of people are finding themselves in multiple offer situations. There's low inventory out there. So it makes it difficult in a lot of areas for people to actually to uh, to purchase homes. I've heard of clients from other um, agent friends of mine saying that um, in the suburbs, it's a lot more competitive. Here in Chicago, it's it's still competitive, but out in the suburbs, we're seeing 20 offer situations and, uh, and there's just not a whole lot of inventory out there. So if you have any questions, feel free to write in and uh, we will try to get to as many questions that we have. And uh, Armando, first off, I would like to uh, just ask how did you get into real estate? Was it something that you were passionate about from an early age or is it something that you just kind of found yourself into later on in life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, first, you know, with, with, uh, as far as I, I just want to speak to your earlier point about entrepreneurship, um, you know, and as agents, it's really, you know, it's what we are. And it's one of the reasons why so many agents, I think, you know, don't make it. And that's not really mentioned too much is that they really come in with the wrong mindset. You know, I often joke, I went from a cushy job, you know, nice salary benefits to a zero salary, no benefit situation. Sounds great, right? Uh, but that's really, what, you know, what, what it is. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it's not easy. It's not for everybody because it's not natural. We're all raised and told, hey, go to school, get good grades, go to college and get a corporate job, which it's exactly what I did. Um, but there was something missing there for me. Um, I, did, I had no idea it would be real estate that would give me that. Um, and, and, and the way, again, I had no intention of getting into real estate, went to, went to college, got an accounting degree, um, worked for Jones Lang LaSalle. Uh, and I thought things were going, you know, pretty well. And then they asked me to get my real estate license. And I, I wondered, why the heck do you guys want me to get my real estate license? I no interest in it. But they thought it was good. It would look good on paper, maybe with our future clients. So I did. And that's what sort of started, you know, sparked my interest. Um, so much so that, that when, uh, when I left there, I decided I'm going to get into real estate. 
and I did that, and shortly thereafter, literally like a couple of weeks, another uh, commercial real estate firm uh, in the loop here in, in downtown asked me to to be their CFO, and it's like, well, okay, I had a kid at that time, so I said, sure, I, I'll do both, and built my business sort of on a part-time basis. Little did I know that I would become a um, as a part-time agent when it's our age, our company's top agent. And then slowly but surely, I thought, you know, maybe I should do this. But more than anything, for me, it, it was like I, I had finally found something that I was passionate about. And that has really been my compass ever since. Um, before I joined Jones Lang LaSalle, I had what I consider the worst job that I've ever had in my career. Fortunately, I was only there six months. What was that? And I told myself, uh, I, told, I, for, I worked for a publisher. Uh, and I told myself that I will never have a job or work somewhere that, where I didn't enjoy it. Um, and I've stayed very, very true to that. Um, what was that job, though? It was a, for a publisher? I, like, uh, what were you doing? I was at a publisher. I was, I was an accountant. Uh, and I definitely want to throw my, my boss under the bus. But let's just say <laughs> that it, it just was not a good situation for me. I hated yeah. being on the job. I was up in Evanston, which is a beautiful place area no it's where northwestern is i mean but i just hated the drive i didn't like my boss i didn't like the job um and i, I made a commitment to myself i will never have a job that i don't enjoy ever again and i can honestly say um that that that's been true and that again that's become a big part of uh, that's what's driven me even with the organizations that i um participate in and lead um, these are organizations that I'm passionate about. I do arts, for example, Chicago Children's Theater, and, and you know my neighborhood here on the West Side of Chicago in the West Loop. Um, schools, parks, um, I, those are all passions of mine. And, and this city is is I consider it a passion and, and something I'm really proud about. So, but yeah, no, definitely was not the plan. Um, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur as well. Um, so it was somewhere in the blood, but again, no, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be in real estate. And so for some people who are out there who are thinking about getting into real estate, you know, you started out doing this kind of part-time. So you had the security of income coming in. And this is what I think is some good advice to give to some people. Know that when you first start becoming a real estate broker, that there's going to be a lag time between when you first start and you start learning how to actually, first of all, it takes you know a few weeks to a few months to get your license. And then after that, it's all about learning the best practices for marketing and learning your CRMs and how to do that, learning how the MLS works. So would you say it's fair that uh, if you want to get into real estate, give yourself a good six month cushion where you're not depending on any income coming in? Absolutely. You know, and I'm sensitive to that stress. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm spending money um, and I don't have any money coming in. That's real. You know, I, I don't minimize that whatsoever. So yeah, if you can be in a position where you could, you know, carry that for a while, um, you know, certainly would, would recommend that. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think, should I have gotten in, you know, would it, have been, would it have been better for me to get in as a 21, 22 year old? where I didn't have the obligations of a mortgage and kids and all that. Um, and to the, you know, I'm talking more and more to college kids. 
and saying, hey, this is a path. I know that you went to school for this, but you could do this and you can get in early. And man, you could even like live with your parents while you build your business. Um, and that's something to think about. However, I am a big believer in motivation. And for me, you know, my motivation was, okay, wow, I got a mortgage. Um, okay, I got a couple kids. And, you know, my wife is at home, doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, that, that was motivation, you know. And did I need it? What I've done as well, I don't know. But I, at, that, at that time, you know, it's part of what drove me. I wanted to, you know, take care of my family. And, and, and yes, I mean, I certainly wanted to do well. I'm very, very fortunate that um, this business has given me so much and given me a life um, that, I, that I never thought I, I could have, especially knowing my background, which we may or may not get into. Um, but I feel very, very blessed, and I try to give back um, as much as I can in, in a variety of ways in business, in, with my colleagues, even agents that you know don't work for me because, frankly, um, I've been very fortunate uh, being a, a, a president of the Chamber of Commerce is I've had access to many, many other very uberly successful people that I learn from all the time. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I enjoy doing all, all of that. Uh, but yeah, going back to your you know original question, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's like starting a business. And if you pick any other industry, you want to start a restaurant, you're spending tens of thousands of dollars, um, a hair salon, uh, thousands of dollars, and more schooling than what we have to pay. So all in all, I mean, you could you could get into this industry, this business, with relatively you know really a low amount of money. Um, again, you just got to know that it's going to be tough and competitive, and the odds are against you. So when I talk to new agents in a group, I said, most of you will fail. You will not make it in this business. But oftentimes, it's just because they don't do, they don't come in with the right mindset, the right energy, they don't have the drive, you know, they're, they're, they're sleeping in, or they're not doing what they need to do. They're not talking to the people that they should be talking to. And that's just really the way... You know that's really the way it is nobody's calling to say you know hey get to work or go to the office and do what you need to do i mean it's uh it's a little bit like college you know you go from high school where your parents are telling you you got to get up and go to school to college where hey you know college is like, you to you yeah not you know yeah so it is very much like that yeah well what i love about you is that whenever i see you you're always reminding me of like Colin, you could be blowing up your business you could be this you're always reminding me of what i'm capable of doing so it always keeps me focused on what my real estate goals are what my dreams are and uh, i can see why you're so successful i mean i see all the the awards that you have in the background there can you pivot your chair so we can see all the awards you've won so one day i want to grow up like you armando and uh have all these awards whether it's an oscar or some real estate awards but uh I'm sure you didn't get into this, but for our viewers out there who are interested, I'd like to get into uh, offering some tips for people who are looking to buy. Anyone who's out there looking to buy real estate, whether that's buying their home, buying Airbnb. I saw someone asking about uh, Airbnb properties, which are super, super popular right now. Um, what are, let's go over uh, some tips and insights and strategies, some best practices that you like to tell your clients 
for when they are starting to uh, to look to purchase? Sure. I mean, you know, when I work with buyers, I take, you know, quite a bit of time to, you know, get to know them and their, their situation. Because I, I strongly believe that your home um, should complement your life and your lifestyle. Um, not just, you know, where you are now, but where, you know, where you want to be. So I spend a lot of time uh, in, in really, really getting, uh, getting to know them. And frankly, that's one of the things that I actually really enjoy about this business is I'm dealing with real people. Uh, oftentimes I'm in people's living room, obviously recently it's been more, you know, on zoom, um, which, which is, which has been, you know, okay. Um, but I just love getting to know people's story. I mean, I often will ask, you know, where did you grow up and, and, you know, what do you do and how did you meet and, you know, I, I'm genuinely interested in those kinds of things. Like, it's not small talk for me. I'm like, I'm genuinely interested in that. Um, but when, so I start, I try to, I want to get a, a really good understanding of who they are and, and what the situation is. So I'll typically try to, you know, or want to uh, arrange a time, like a formal time, book a time to really uh, understand what's going on with them and where they want to be. Uh, but one of the first things that, you know, that, that I'll want to know is just know the time horizon, you know, and what I mean by that is, you know, are you going to be in, in a home, you know, are you looking for something that you're going to be in for a few years? In other words, are you, you know, a consultant and are you having to relocate every couple years or, um, you know, things like that? Um, or are you single now, but, you know, are you, thinking, okay, you're serious with your girlfriend, do you think you want to get married or, or, or live together or do you want to have kids? How many kids do you have? Uh, you know, are you an empty nester? You know, those, those kinds of things. And because you really do want to think I about a three-year, five-year home or like a 20-year home, those kinds of things. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Just thought came into my head. Have you ever come into a situation where it's a boyfriend and a girlfriend situation who are wanting to buy a piece of property. And what do you advise them in terms of who goes on the title? Because that can be a very tricky situation when two people who are not married are untitled for the property. Do you ever find yourself, have you ever found yourself in that sort of situation? You know, I mean, I have, um, what I have found is, you know, definitely it'll, go in either one of their, you know, their names. Um, you know, it's not difficult to once, I mean, in, in Illinois, it, you know, once you're married, it, it's pretty much, you know, joint. So it right. hasn't been too much of, of an issue. I don't know how it would be in, in, in other states, but, um, you know, in Illinois, my understanding is that that's, you know, that's the way it works. So I haven't had to have too much discussions on that, um, to be honest, but, um, you know, to be honest, I think I've had more situations where married couples bought a property and then got divorced. That's mm -hmm. been actually surprisingly a little bit more common. Not surprisingly, knowing just the numbers of, um, you know, I mean, I think it's like 50 50. Um, so, anyhow. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Just curious. Um, and then, as far as the market being as, as tight as it is right now with low inventory, um, we're not seeing. Like I said before, in the suburbs here in Chicago, it's, it's a lot more competitive. Here downtown in the city, obviously the inventory is lower than it has been in, in a while. 
<clears throat> what do you, uh, how are you advising your clients as far as uh, multiple offer situations or? Sure. Well, I mean, on the buy side, I think you have to be very, very aware um, of what's going on in that local market. So, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're going to um, a single family home in the city or in several suburbs, I mean, you're going to have to be very, very aware that it's competitive out there, you know, um, and you have to be ready to have strategies and and uh, know how to sort of what I call win the day, you know, so so you have to be aware of that. Now, it has been very competitive, was very competitive last year in some of these markets. I've won some and frankly, I, I lost some. And, you know, uh, the good news for buyers in 2022 is that I think uh, that the market will still be competitive, but not as competitive. So there, there, there's likely to be less multiple offer situations. I think a lot of folks that wanted to move that were driven by, by COVID, I think many of them, most of that demand has been absorbed, um, but there's still more coming. So I think you have to just be aware. Now, if you're going into, you know, for example, uh, the condo market in some neighborhoods, you, you you could probably be a little bit more at ease knowing, you know, it won't be as competitive. Although, you know, that might change to some degree and improve for the condo market if we finally get to the point where people really are coming back, you know, to the office. I mean, you know, the loop is the downtown area, not just in Chicago, I think, but in New York, where there's been massive, you know, people have left New York City in, mm -hmm. in large numbers. Um, it, it, I think the the people working at, at, at home has really kind of driven that. And I think if that truly changes, because at one point we heard that the second quarter, you know, companies would be requiring their employees to come back. No, no, we'll push it back to the third quarter. You know, then, oh, fourth quarter. Now it's, you know, it, it, it seems it seems to me that companies are a little reluctant just to sort of pick a day. But hopefully, once we get past this most recent uh, increase in cases um, and things start to normalize, hopefully, you know, that could really impact, the, you know, the condo market. So I think it's just really kind of knowing where you, you know, where you have leverage and where you don't have leverage. And if you're going to the suburbs, for example, there's still, it, it'll still be kind of tough, but, but not as tough. And when you have been in multiple offer situations with your clients, there's something called an escalation clause where you can tell the seller that you are willing to increase your bid or just sure. automatically increase your bid up to a certain number. Are you finding yourself in those types of situations more often now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, as you know, Colin, I mean, I, one of the properties you and I co-listed, we had, I can't even remember, nine nine offers. I think you were there like all day, Sean. Yeah, within two days. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in that particular case, I think we had like dueling uh, offers with, with uh, escalation clauses, which yeah. became really complicated. I had to put it all on a dry erase board and just try to make sense of it all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, for if you're representing the buyer, that that is a way, that is a way to you know really get aggressive and win. Um, you know, basically, you pick, you have to pick your sort of baseline price. Um, 
and then you have to pick an escalation amount, let's say one or 2,000, could be more, 5,000, um, where you would offer more than the highest offer, competing offer, and then you pick a max. So um, if there's another offer beyond that certain max, then you know, you're on the outside looking in. So, so there's, you know, so that is one strategy, but one cat, the caveat there is you do have some agents, sellers that are really sort of leery about that. So they might say, well, what is this escalation clause? This is what kind of game is this? You know, they they just don't know that these are actually fairly common. So mm -hmm. what I recommended to, you know, agents on my team and my company and myself, is just to ask the agent, like, hey, this doesn't put us in the worst position. Uh, because it just might be a little too much for a seller. Like, hey, just give me your best, just give me your best offer. Um, there's two other offers. So, but yeah, I mean, these escalation clauses, you know, use them to your advantage, but, you know, just also be aware that they might be a turnoff. And is that in the uh, the purchase and sale agreement, agreement or is that in the addendum? Well, it's a separate rider, you know, here in Chicago, it's a uh, rider 24, um, where it's, it's fairly straightforward, but, um, and you know, that's, it's a really, really tough thing. You know, I think, mm -hmm. I think let's face it, our clients, this is not what they do. This is what we do. Yep. So, you know, we have to take, we have to take the right amount of time to really explain it to it to them, but ultimately yeah. it is our client's decision whether it's view an escalation clause, what that what that baseline price should be, what the escalation amount is, and prepare mm -hmm. them that they may actually get the property. And I say yeah. that because, you know, sometimes like what gulp like, oh, we got it? Like, oh holy crap, I'm, am I overpaying? It's like, wait a minute, like, you know. Yeah. So these are it, it, it's a complex thing. There's a lot of emotion involved. You know, we have to be there to, you know, just Mm -hmm. advise and, 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 and guide our clients. Um, our job is to get them, you know, the property that suits them and, and mm -hmm. their family, you know, and, and it's, it's not straightforward. It's not easy. Um, and it's, it's, it's different with every client. And frankly, that's a large part of what, what I like yeah. about what we do. Yeah. And if you, truly, truly, truly love a property and you want it bad enough. I try to assess how badly my, my clients really want the property. And if they truly want it that bad, I obviously ask them how high they're willing to pay for the property. And the trick is, like you were saying, you don't want to have your client get into a property where then if for whatever reason, five years down the road, they're going to go to sell, let them know that if you're going to be paying this amount of money, you may take a hit on the sale of the property uh, if you're going to be overpaying for the for the actual the home that you're you're making the offer on, but I also say if you want it bad enough, then writing a letter to the seller that tells the seller why you love the property, and um, that is something that uh, I just from you know what I read about real estate uh, that definitely makes a difference. Have you advised your clients to write those kinds of personalized? letters if there's a multiple offer situation and uh and that yeah you know, i mean i think, I think yeah i mean i think with an offer i mean there's you know the hard data stuff you know the price closing date and all that you know the the letter is sort of an intangible you know for me um i think that shows 
uh, motivation. Uh, and you know, as as a seller, as a seller, you want you want you want to go with somebody that truly really does want the property. You know, because then it's kind of the unofficial glue to the transaction. Uh, because let's face it, I mean, um, it, it's fairly easy to, to terminate um, a real estate contract. Um, certainly, after you get past the attorney review period, uh, that you know that solidifies it more. But even then, mm-hmm. um, you know, someone could find a potentially a way um, through other contingencies and so forth. But I think if if you have somebody that's taken the time to write a letter, um, it, certainly as a listing agent which is 75% of my transactions, um, you know, that, that's certainly something will be, will be something that I will share and, and, and appreciate with, um, you know, with, with my, with my sellers. So Nicole Weston says, Oregon has just outlawed love letters for properties. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was talking with an agent last week and, and she said that she was seeing that like where they're not, that they want to keep it fair. So that she was told that that the listing agents said we're not taking any letters, yeah. I guess. Um, that's interesting, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the questions here is from uh, Nadine: Is it best to have your house assessed or appraised before putting it on the market? My answer to that is: If you're if you're with the right real estate agent, that is their job. There, that's the job of the real estate agent to do the comparative market analysis, to find out specifically, to know the neighborhood, to know the properties, to know the, the specific properties that have sold and the difference between the sold properties, what the level of upgrade that the properties that have sold compared to your current property. Because obviously what you're seeing on the market, if it's, if it's rehabbed like the properties that I sell, um, you're not going to get as much for a recently upgraded property that if your home hasn't been upgraded in 20 years, but that's the job of the real estate agent. Yeah. I mean, that's so to answer that question, I I don't think it's necessary, especially if you're working with an experienced um, agent, you know, the fact of the matter is I don't believe, I don't believe that an appraiser is going to know more about value in, in, in the areas that I work in than, than I am. You know, they're going to spend, you know, 10 minutes, you know, in the house um, and they're going to use, you know, some of the same comps. And, and I just don't I, I don't think it's necessary, mm-hmm. um, especially in a market that's, you know, changing, you know, because they're, they're going to go off of historical data. They may not adjust for for the market the way they should. Um, you know, I do have a, a client um, for a property that I'm probably list, listing tomorrow overly successful guy you know he he uh is, is done he's in the in the car business multiple dealership i think he's got his own personal collection of like 80 cars or something like that mm-hmm. i love this guy um he just he just wanted to get an appraisal and i'm not going to argue with him you know yeah. he, and he got he got the appraisal done and it pretty much what i thought it, it should be there was no surprises there um you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm going to try too aggressively to talk somebody out of it. I would just say it's, it's probably not necessary. And as far as when it comes to uh, to putting down down payments, we were talking about this earlier. 
you know, there's a lot of traditional mortgage companies, like you'll see that the bigger banks like Chase and Guaranteed Rate, Quicken Loans, typical home purchase is around 20% down payment, depending on your credit. Uh, and there's a lot of programs out there that a lot of people aren't aware of, FHA, veterans, um, where uh, veterans can put down as little as 3% FHA, 3% to get into a, a house. And there's a lot of organizations here in Chicago, specifically like neighborhood housing services that will help with down payment assistance. And what a lot of people don't realize is that they can actually own a home for their mortgage, insurance, uh, taxes would actually be less than what they would be paying in rent. And a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of that. Um, do you, uh, do you advise any of your clients on what they're, what they're able to put down and, and assess or work with new home buyers? And do, uh, do you find yourself educating new home buyers on down payment and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, um, you know, Financing is very, very important. Um, you know, the, the, the lax uh, standards uh, several years back, the, the reason why why we, uh, you know, got in trouble in 08 and, and 09. So they really just kind of really responded to that and, and got more conservative and, and, and raised the, the lending standards, which actually is the reason why we have such a good foundation and, and the mortgage credit out there is um, it's been so good. And one of the reasons we don't have a high increase in we haven't had foreclosures it's not been a problem of late but you have you know unfortunately that means some people are, are on the outside looking in mm -hmm. um, so the average down payment has has gone up which which again there's definitely some some positive aspects uh to that however um some it may surprise people but there are programs out there and and many people can get loans for for less than 20 percent you know 10 percent i've seen five percent mm -hmm. um there's, for example, um, a doctor's program um, that's geared towards towards doctors that make a lot of money, but because of their student loans and uh, they don't have a lot of down payment. So, but they're obviously a high credit worthy individual uh, because of their income. So I think I've seen them buy expensive homes, actually, luxury homes uh, for something like three or 5%. Now, um, there's some other programs out there. Um, obviously, um, there's, pro, uh, there's FHA, uh, which I don't deal with too much candidly, um, but certainly for VA, uh, for our veterans, which is our folks that I'm, I'm um, at a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, there's a VA, and, and it's important to just have a good understanding of how you know, a VA loan uh, works, which is different than um, you know, than a conventional loan. For example, it's it for if you're if you're buying a a, a condo uh, with the VA program, you know, you're gonna have to make sure that 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 condo building is VA approved. Uh, oftentimes, I find that many are not, uh, but you can all you can either get the building approved, which sets the table for future buyers for future veterans in that building, or you can get what we call a spot approval. But just kind of like a one-time approval just to get that VA loan approved for this specific buyer. Um, and again, there's some other, you know, there's some other uh, programs out there. Um, so it's always good to, to talk with a lender before you even go get a home, just, just to kind of know what your options are. 
you know, I mean, you might be pleasantly surprised when you think about what what's happened to rents. Uh, I mean, rebounded in a big way after a dip yeah. due to COVID. Things have, I mean, rents were up almost 12% on average uh, in Chicago. I think it might be more in, in the, you know, on the coast. And, um, you know, there's obviously affordability uh, issues, you know, with that. But now, um, you know, now it may be cheaper to, to buy a property, even though prices have gone up a little bit, just not as much, believe it or not, as, as rents have. So I would just say, you know, suggest to talk with your lender, you know, maybe get a couple options. You know, I, I talked to maybe three lenders. Um, make sure you don't start running your credit, you know, all over town. You don't yeah. want that. But if you can pick, you know, you know, maybe two lenders that are trustworthy, that are recommended either by, you know, a broker or a friend that has worked with them, um, explore your options. Know what, you know, there's there's 15-year loan, there's 30 years, there's different programs out there. There's a seven-year arm, a five-year arm. Um, again, you should really be thinking about your time horizons with this too. I mean, if you plan to be here for five years, 10 years, uh, these are all factors that, that buyers should be considering. Elizabeth Kraus is asking, do you recommend homeowners do an inspection prior to listing so that they know what issues might come up or not? Um, that's a good question. I mean, that's... It, I mean, it's going to cost potentially a few hundred dollars. Um, yeah, two to four hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's 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 also not typical, but you know, if if that it, it might be helpful for you, certainly. You know, especially if it's an older home. If it's a newer home, mm -hmm. there's maybe a little less value there. But if it's you know, it's an older if it's an older home. It, it, it might be worthwhile doing. I mean, one of the nicest gadgets that I think inspectors have is, you know, that infrared camera where they're able to see moisture behind the walls and the ceilings and things of that nature. Um, that always gets my heart going when, you know, I'm at an inspection and that thing comes out. And, <laughs> oh uh, so, I mean, as a listing agent, I think I would, I would appreciate that, but, um, I mean, yeah, it's going mean, to come I up see anyway. that as being very proactive, you know, yeah. and, and if a few hundred dollars is something that you're comfortable spending, um, it might be money well spent. But it is not typical. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, probably nine out of 10, maybe 9.5 out of 10 of my sellers, you know, don't do that. Um, I will say that I kind of perform a visual inspection uh, mm -hmm. of the property and, and, and have an eye for catching things that might be an issue. Um, but just, I will just say, you know, my clientele, it, the properties that I sell, I have not seen that to be, a, you know, a major, a major issue. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to come up anyway in the inspection eventually down the road. And you can address it then where either you can have it corrected or you can offer a price reduction or a credit. Sure. So, um, and you know what I find is that, you know, my, my clients tend to know their home. Yeah. Think, yeah, that thing has never worked. Yeah, that, that, that leak in the garage. Yeah, you know, yeah. just haven't fixed it. Okay, well, you should you should fix it. You yeah. Know. Um. Yeah. How many? Uh, what percentage of your uh, clients would you say are real estate investors who own 
rental properties who uh, who do flipping? I mean, it's it's. I mean, I work with developers, you know. So there's that. It, it's not the majority of my of my clientele. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, my guess is about fifteen percent. Would you say the rehabbers that you work with are uh, a little got a little screw loose because after doing it for the past six years, you've got to have a little bit of like. I mean, you've got to have a huge capacity for uh, learning how to manage people. And that's something that I, to be honest, just was not prepared for when I got into it because the courses that I took, they made it sound like, oh yeah, just what you see on TV, you just go in, you buy a house and you rehab it and everything is going to be great. And you're going to be sitting on a pile of money at the end of it. And that is the furthest thing from the reality of the situation. And uh, it has been, I've essentially feel like I've gotten my master's degree in home rehabbing over the past six years and some lessons I've had to learn the hard way. Uh, but do you find yourself uh, working with clients who, um, I mean, I know some of your clients are developers. I've, you know, I've shown some of your particular mm -hmm. listings and um, I mean, the ones that do it well can make a lot of money and there's a lot of money to be made in real estate, but you absolutely have to know the uh, you, it, it takes good relationships with contractors. You've really got to, surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. And so I would direct the advice that I always give people who are, who come to me and say, Hey, Colin, I'm thinking about, you know, I hear you can make money in real estate. And I always say, just make sure that you surround yourself with the people who have been doing it for a long time so that you essentially can, you're not jumping into something before you really know what you're doing. And, uh, and contractor, 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 it is so important to find good quality guys who you or gals who you can trust. Well, you know, my dad always said experience is the best teacher, you know, and mm -hmm. we saw that, you know, firsthand. Um, yeah. I mean, with, 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 you know, rehab properties, you, you know, there's, there's such an element of the unknown, you know, especially in mm -hmm. Chicago, depending on, you know, what the property is. I mean, uh, you know, is the soil good? Is there any settlement issues? It, it's, I think you just have to be, you know, conservative in your projections. And, you know, on these contractors, I think, you know, some of them have gotten hurt too. So they're, you know, they're being conservative. I mean, it's really easy to talk yourself out of buying a, a property just because I think everybody's just scared. Um, and sometimes, the, you know, a project will, will surprise you to the good. Um, sometimes, you know, it, it's the other way around. But you know, you, you learn from from that from that experience, and, and on the next one, you you know, you're a little smarter about it. Just again, just from experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's that's why you know, and I've done some some rehab projects. That's why sometimes I prefer new construction because starting with you know blank slate, I know what I'm building. You know, everything's drawn. There's no surprises. Well. There may be some along the way, but not to the degree that there tends to be with, you know, buying a, an older property. And especially if you're talking about, you know, changing floor plans, for example, if you're buying a, like a two flat, you know, mm -hmm. kind of that typical two flat layout, uh, which, you know, a super small kitchen, a big dining room, which we really kind of don't need, and then decent sized living room. 
you know, small bedrooms where now, of course, we're on a big kitchen. They end up having to move walls and, and you know, so there's some structural issues there sometimes when you, when you do that. And then you remove a wall like, oh, crap, there is this stack running through here. What? Okay, well, that's going to cost you another five grand. You know? And it adds you, up. Yeah. I mean, so quick. So quick. <laughs> so I mean, and, and there's there's an element of risk in, in a lot of things that we do in our business mm -hmm. for, for us and for, for our clients. So, um, and that's, you know, that's being an entrepreneur. I mean, it's being mm -hmm. an entrepreneur is, is usually risky. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have to accept that you're, you, 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 make, you may make a couple bad moves along the way. Um, you know, hopefully they don't drown you too much and, and you move on and, and you learn from that experience. Yep. So whenever anyone asks, how do I find a good contractor? And it says here, uh, Elizabeth is asking Elizabeth Krauss again. Good questions, Elizabeth. How do you find a good co contractor that you can trust? I like to uh, use referrals and I would I'd highly advise wherever you are at, if you're interested in getting into real estate investing or doing any work, I would call your local real estate investment group. I'm a part of one here. And uh, in this community, such as a real estate investment group, there are a lot of contractors in these groups. And because it's an insular group where if you, if these contractors want to continue getting work in the group, it's all referral and it's word of mouth. And if the contractor is not good, obviously they're not going to keep, getting work. You want to make sure that they're licensed and bonded. You got to know that if anyone comes onto your property, the contractor and the, and the subcontractors need to be bonded and insured because anyone who climbs up on your roof falls off your roof, you can be liable and be sued for them. Anyone on your property who potentially may be, may get injured on your property. So those are the things you want to look out for. And uh, Angie's List is, I've never actually used Angie's List, but if you're looking for any recommendations, any contractors, it's kind of like the Yelp of the, the, uh, the rehabbing or contractor world out there. Um, so I would say that's a, that's a decent resource. But I would also recommend that you get um, some recommendations for when you do find a contractor, ask to see some of the work that they've done go see some of the, the uh, talk to some of the clients that they've worked with in the past. And then uh, just make sure when you write the contract up with the contractor, that there are stipulations in there that if there's anything that needs to be done outside of the scope of work that they give you, that they need your written signature in order to, to add or subtract from whatever is in writing in that agreement. So it's not just all right, I'm going to rehab your home. It is literally breaking each section of the house down. How much is your HVAC budget? What is your plumbing budget? What is your, how much is it going to cost to redo the roof? And so that each and every single line item is accounted for um, because things can run away very quickly if, uh, if you don't keep these guys accountable. Yeah, somebody just posted or uh, just commented that it's now, they go by Angie's now. Which is true. Oh, just Angie's? So, is that yeah. what it is? Okay. Okay. So um, when it comes to uh, to entrepreneurship, because we touched on this a little bit earlier, 
Um, you know, you obviously run a team. You're a partner at Century 21 SGR here in the city. Uh, as far as being a team leader, being an entrepreneur, what are some uh, what are some insights or what's some uh, some advice that you may offer to other team leaders out there, CEOs, managerial people in those types of positions? And uh, where have you learned how to become the leader that you are? Yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, I think I've just surrounded myself with other exceptional leaders. Um, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of, of highly successful people. Um, so that's been really helpful, you know, for me. I mean, just, you know, like a, a guy like Tim Grover, for example. Tim Grover is uh, was Michael Jordan's, uh, you know, trainer. Has went on to become a uh, uh, you know, trainer to you name an NBA star. Um, you know, he's become a, a motivational speaker. And, you know, he was somebody that I had the chance, very fortunate to be able to serve him with several transactions. Um, so just I learned from him. Another guy that was a former CEO uh, of Boeing, one of the most humble guys. You know, I think he was the highest paid CEO in Illinois at one point. Yet, I don't know if I've ever met such a humble man. Um, um, just a guy from Iowa, and, and I, I learned so much from him. Uh, I, I, in real estate, you know, was Jim Lynch has been that for me. Uh, he was a mentor early on. And then even, you know, a guy like, uh, like Harry Susanis, who um, started uh, one of our competitor companies. Uh, he's somebody that I have access to all, all the time. He's become a personal friend. Uh, it's kind of like that I never had. So, you know, and I, I can go on and on and on. And I think for me is as a leader, you have to you have to put others before you. And that's what I try to do for our team members, for our, our agents in the firm is, um, I mean, I really have embraced um, that mindset. I, I feel it's a duty, um, you know, to my team members as a community, community leader, certainly I look out for and try to help others. And I think that's my calling. That's what I have a passion to do. I enjoy serving people. I enjoy helping people. Um, it gives me personal satisfaction. It's become, you know, it, it, it's become a big part of, of who I am and, and who I strive to be. And that's simply, you know, to, to help others. And, you know, I enjoy it. So that's what I would say is you know, make others come before you, you know, you help, you help anybody that needs the help. Uh, I, I get satisfaction watching them succeed just as I've enjoyed watching you succeed, Colin. And, and, and I'm grateful that, that we've, that we've somehow our worlds came together and, <laughs> and enjoyed seeing you grow on the real estate side. Obviously I know you've done exceptional things in Hollywood and modeling and God knows what else. Every time I talk to you, I learn something new that you do or that you've done. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm really, really happy for you. Yeah. Well, I think we, uh, we both continue to inspire each other and to uh, push each other to achieve heights and levels that uh, I think we both know that we're capable of. And it's always nice to have someone who's, um, who challenges us to, uh, to reach our fullest potential. It sounds like your father was pretty instrumental in that. 
Yeah, you know, he was a hard-nosed guy. So, um, you know, he was uh, somebody that uh, just worked really hard. You know, blue-collar guy. Um, what did he do? He was a butcher here in the Fort Market. Uh, That's district. right. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's kind of old-school guy. I mean, he would show up like two hours early for work. It was weird. If we ever, we didn't, we didn't fly very often on an airplane. But man, or when we did, we would be at the airport like five hours early. That's just how it was. Never be late. Never owe anybody a dime. You know, work hard. Um, he just was, we had to always be doing something. You know, where all, all I wanted to do as a kid was play baseball, which is my first love. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I did have a chance to do that. And um, uh, I was really grateful for it. But that's, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's flawed like, like we all are, um, you know, and, and, but he definitely had some values that he instilled in me that, that carry on to this day. Such as? Um, well, I mean, I mean, hopefully you've been, you've had some, you've seen it, you know, myself and just high energy, always driving, yeah. driving, um always have to be doing something um and that that's 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 kind of the pace of that you know that i work at for example you know as you know uh relentless is is one of the terms that century 21 mm. and it very much resonates with me mm -hmm. because um i feel like it, it, it's a big part of my personality and, and i think something that i get from, from you know from my dad my mom is more of a nurturing um I can never do anything wrong with her. I mean, that's, uh, but they they balance each other out, you know, very very well, and I think it served me well. Yeah, sounds like similar to, to my parents, and um, I can definitely see, you know, why you've generated the success that you've you've been able to enjoy over your career, because as you've mentioned before, you know, your career has been so much about service, so much about being out there in the community for so many other people. And um, it just goes to show you that uh, when you truly are putting yourself out there and being of service to others, it just, it, it comes back to you immensely. And uh, every time I meet someone out there in the community, like you, I mean, we've been out just having lunch out here, like in the summertime and people walk by and it's like, we can't sit without like five, 10 people walking by and be like, Hey, Armando, how you doing? What's it like? You are known in the neighborhood. You are like the mayor of the West loop and uh, anyone out there who's in the Chicago area and is interested in uh, getting more information about how we can help you with buying or selling real estate in the Chicago land area. By all means, we would love to chat with you and uh, anyone else out there, Outside of the Chicagoland area, if you need any recommendations, we can always find a referral for you out there. And uh, we've come to that part of the show, Armando, where we uh, we talk a little Hollywood here. Are you ready for uh, your movie recommendations? Oh, boy. Yes. Okay. All right. So first question here, my friend, is what was your favorite or what is your favorite movie of all time? Uh, you know, actually, I, that's a tough one, of course. I mean, there's, there's so many, 
but we're talking about we're talking about inspiration which i think is what you're about yeah right um gladiator oh i love that, that, that yes <laughs> um there's so many scenes there uh that, that i just love and it, it's not a movie that i've watched as often as say like goodfellas or ferris bueller's day off which is also one of my favorite of, of all time and the funny thing is is that my youngest son he like knows so many lines from movies that will add later and like play these scenes out it's hilarious uh but that's also one that's up there as well awesome well we're gonna get to that because the next question is what was your favorite movie growing up um wow that, that that's also a very very good movie uh growing up Maybe I didn't get a chance to watch. Oh, Superman. I love Superman. Oh, great movie. Christopher yeah. Reeve, the original? Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, I had to think about that because I had to kind yeah. of go back to, you know, my childhood. But Superman uh, and all, you know, with, with Christopher Reeve were, were, I mean, they were my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no offense to uh, to the current filmmakers who have, like, been rebooting all of these franchises, I still have to say the original Superman with Christopher Reeve is absolutely hands down the best one. Without a doubt. Without yeah. A doubt. Yeah. Uh, favorite romantic comedy. Um, what was the um, romantic comedy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> well, other than something borrowed. <laughs> something borrowed. Yeah, that one. That's the one that I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Katie Stringer says, "When hearing that sound for this part of the show," and I apologize, but um, <laughs> that's all right. Um, Katie, I I love your recommendation. When Harry met Sally is absolutely one of my. Uh, favorite movies of all time as well. Good suggestion there. Um, how about what is your favorite comedy? Well, it'd have to be, I mean, I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's Ferris a Chicago connection. There's a yes. Cubs connection there. Uh, I, I, I think that one's uh, pretty clear in my mind. Yes. And how about favorite actor? Al Pacino, who I had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, really? years back yeah i got a pretty good picture with him uh true to form you know here we all are dressed up in suits for a big uh groundbreaking ceremony uh i was definitely a little starstruck but you know he's like um wearing like look, looking kind of disheveled you know oversized jeans not really <laughs> dressed up it's like yeah that's al pacino he doesn't he doesn't need to yeah he doesn't need to you know yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, I would say, I'd say that. Okay. And favorite actress? Favorite actress? Mm -hmm. Um. Come on, Armando. We got to get you watching more I movies. Know, I, know. <laughs> I 
I know, I know. You're too busy doing real estate. <laughs> I know, I'm terrible at this. Uh, I'm really struggling. Favorite, um, you, uh, call your wife and do a lifeline here. <laughs> I, I should. I mean, I should. Um, hey, Bridget, shoot a text oh, message to Armando. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, this is, you know what this is exposing? Lack of preparation. <laughs> hey, it's okay. It's all yeah, right. My, these are, uh, these are improv questions that I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, you know. However, if I were to ask you about what inflation was going to be doing for the real estate market over this next year, I would bet you'd be able to give me a whole explanation on it. And if you want to hear more about it, give Armando a call. <laughs> Armando, thanks for being yeah, here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, is there th anything else you'd like to uh, share before we uh, we jump off here? Yeah, I mean, I think just my my parting message is that uh, you know, regardless of your background, regardless of where somebody else or you might think you um, you know box you should be in, you know, think outside the box. You know, when I just think about like my story is you know somebody like me should not like it shouldn't have worked out this way for me uh you know candidly with uh so that, that's what i would say is don't be afraid to to strive for for higher and better uh if there's something that you really want you know just just get after it uh you know you can do it this 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 great country allows us i think um to to be able gives us enough gives us gives all of us an opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you, Armando. And thanks for continually inspiring me to uh, be the best real estate agent, broker, investor that I can be. And uh, it's great to work with you, man. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, Tony. My pleasure. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've got that new buyer we need to talk about. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get right. uh, coffee with Armando. Yes, let's do it. We'll All right, thanks, that. man. Chat with you soon. All right, have a good night. All right. All right, everyone, thanks for joining me. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for your input. And uh, again, if you are in the Chicagoland area and would like any assistance with buying or selling real estate, Armando and I would love to have a chat with you to be able to just answer any of your questions. And uh, as you can see, Armando is just an amazing, generous individual and um, always offering his, his time, his service, as you can tell from what we've talked about tonight. And uh, you can tell that uh, whenever you go out, go out there into the world and just lead from your heart, lead from a place of wanting to serve others, it definitely comes back and it's been uh, great to work with Armando over the past couple of years. I've learned a ton from him and uh, I know I'm going to continue to learn more. And as his father said, experience is the best teacher. The more experience that we can have with people who, who are our best champions, who care about us and want us want to see us succeed. That's what it's all about, but it is up to you to find those people and those people don't always just appear in our life. We've got to get out of our little bubble sometimes. And, you know, if the people in your life aren't supporting you, if you don't feel like you're getting what you need in life, it is up to you 
to make it happen. As Armando said, we have so many opportunities, especially here in, uh, in, in this country. And I think a lot of the times we take that for granted and it just comes down to how bad do you want it? And if you really want something bad enough, there are people out there to help you achieve your goals and your dreams. I love to be that kind of person who's out there helping other people uh, pursue their dreams and their goals, which is why I put together my Inspire community, why I wrote Agile Artist. If you haven't gotten Agile Artist yet, what are you waiting for? Just have to say, this book is going to change your life. And uh, if you're interested in getting more information about my Inspire course uh, and the Inspire community in general, shoot me an email at info at colineggelsfield.com. Also with Patreon, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about Patreon. Patreon is your, your chance to join us in uh, doing all kinds of fun, cool stuff throughout the month. We do a, uh, a show called Cooking with Colin, where I like to share some healthy and nutritious foods. And we do our Hour of Empowers, and we do just a bunch of other stuff, including post-show for Coffee with Colin. So after this, right after Coffee with Colin, we jump on and we talk about the show. We talk about what we chatted about to uh, further go into a deeper dive of the conversation that we've had each week. So if you're interested in joining more of the conversation, we jump on Zoom and uh, it's an amazing, amazing, inspiring group of people. And again, if you are looking to surround yourself with the people that are going to support you, who are going to be your biggest champions and your biggest supporters, this is your opportunity to do just that. All right. Thanks for being here this week. We've got a a whole slew of amazing guests coming up on Coffee with Colin. So stay tuned for further episodes and we'll see you guys all next week. All right. Take care for now.